your head out of the clouds Get your feet back on the ground Get stuck into pop culture With Stick Around Hello there and welcome to Stick Around The podcast with a BMI of 69 Ooh yeah Brought to you by AstraZeneca. 60% of the time, it works every time. Oh, yeah. I like those odds. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me too. That doesn't make sense. (laughs) Neither do most things on Anchorman, but we won't go there. Hello, everyone. You were trying to... Sorry, Clive. You were trying to tell us before that... uh, I think you were trying to tell us that uh, Steve Carell actually rode a bear. Was that accurate? (laughs) No, oh, right. not quite accurate. Disappointing, um, disappointing. But um, Josh sent me a video uh, on, I don't know, someone at, someone at Radio 1 is doing some challenge of watching A to Z of films, as in, like, a film beginning with A. Oh, uh, yeah. As sort of yeah. picked by other people, and Anchorman was A, apparently. And alongside his glowing review of it, he um, put, posted an interview with Steve Carell, who said <laughs> uh, that scene, how it had uh, happened, and that they got a stuntman in to do it, but that the stuntman had not ridden a bear before and just apparently looked absolutely terrified the entire time and Steve which did, Steve was just <laughs> stood there looking at him like oh my god this is going to go so badly wrong <laughs> uh, and he was like there just sort of psyching himself up um, it's a funny interview you should watch it but yeah I'd kind of assumed someone did right I don't know if I'd I assumed someone well, wrote it because it looks kind of real but apparently they just superimposed his face on I don't know how you do that but I was just going to say, I'm pretty stunned that a stuntman rode one. I didn't realise that would be <laughs> acceptable, but there you go. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine what's the minimum figure I would take to ride a bear for a film. Um, it's I thought pretty that, fucking high. Yeah. I thought maybe the bear, like, you you know, some you can tame some animals and someone had completely tamed this bear to the extent where anyone could ride it. But then I realised that that was probably unrealistic. Ambitious. <laughs> yeah. my, um, my, but my favourite bear-related content on Twitter recently is somebody yeah. saying, if bears are so ferocious, explain this. And it's several pictures of bears' ears, which are probably the most adorable ears in the animal kingdom. You know, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> That's how they get you. <laughs> I mean, they do look pretty adorable. That is how they get you. <laughs> but don't <laughs> don't be fooled. Like that guy uh, who ran into the Swiss in Bern. There's a famous, um, it used to be a bear pit. Um, the capital of Switzerland, but um, it's obviously animal rights got on their back probably and went, guys, keeping bears in a pit and it's 2000, the year 2000. Uh, so they've now got a quite a large enclosure, um, but some guy went in for a hug and I think got killed by the bears. Unsurprising. So don't, don't go in hugging bears. Um, anyway, we are here for episode 166 of Stick Around. Um, it's a, a general episode, as usual, as recently. And I'm here with general expert Michael Johnson. Aloha. And general expert Alex Wayne. Hi. Hi, hi. How are we doing? I know it's been a while since we recorded the last one because I've been in a hole, uh, which I'll explain soon. Well, Not a mental li- hole. Li- well, a- you mean literally in a hole? Yeah, I got put in a bear. It's not bears, is it? I was just going to say. <laughs> We're down in the hole. Don't wake the bears. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm 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 pretty good. Um, I did get a um, a shielding letter this week um, from the government, which a bit seemed a bit late considering I've already had COVID and my vaccination. Ahead <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, of the curve as usual. If they really thought I was vulnerable, where was this eight nine months ago? You know, um, it feels like a back yeah. covering exercise to me. But uh, yeah, other than that, I, mean, I'm I don't fine. know if it counts as even that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that that's very odd. Other than that, you're all right, Michael. You had any uh, shielding letters? I haven't yet. No, no. So and you're fit delayed. as a fiddle, We've had Michael. a delayed letter. You are Alex. Just said you fit as a fiddle. Yeah, well, I'm I'm all right. Yeah, yeah can't f- complain. Maybe follow follow full challenge, but you know, other than that, that that is the one downside. Yeah. <laughs> I've embraced that. So. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You've got to embrace it. I saw some pictures of me. Um, Someone sent me a picture, a couple of pictures from um, from four years ago. And, um, well, hindsight's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Should, should have bicked it long before I did. <laughs> that's well, a, ret- a retreating hairline, to say the least, in those The pictures. thing is, the pictures of you from years ago when you had a, I must say, a, you know, a luscious, flowing mane of hair... Um, <laughs> Is you know a Shakespearean tragedy? You know, the world should not have been denied that. <laughs> what was it that you? I think you used to say I looked. I can't remember the exact percentage. It was at least thirty-three percent more friendly, wasn't it, with the long hair? It's true. It's true. <laughs> Bald men, no matter what their personalities and face, are ever so slightly more intimidating than men with long hair. That's just a fact. Oh yeah, it's a- absolutely true. Yeah. And um, but again, it's one of those society things, isn't it? Yeah, bald men are uh, portrayed as being aggressive, and Michael's only only um, furthering that stereotype. To be honest, it's true. Um, you know, I, I I see a man with a shaved head, and I'm thinking there is at least a five percent chance they're a neo-Nazi. Like I'm not. <laughs> We're throwing percentages around today, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> Al's decided to live in a sort of percentage percentage world where he he's basically turned into a robot and he's judging everything on percentages. <laughs> there is a three point two percent chance I might like this person, therefore I don't think I'm going to bother talking to them. It's true. We've got to, uh, you know, it's big data it's over a sixty. This this is the trade off, isn't it? These people, you know, these um, these guys who go into their forties, fifties with ridiculous hair because they haven't shaved it off when it when they're balding. At least they have that assurance of knowing they're not going to be seen as a neo-Nazi. It's true. That's it. It's true. Yeah, maybe that's what they're doing. They're just like, I really don't want to be seen as a neo-Nazi. <laughs> so I'm going to do this crazy comb-over thing. <laughs> um, anyway, good to hear. We got, we got a letter, actually, a delayed letter. Um, second time this has happened to me, so it must follow me around. Um, letter from the, the Sheffield City Council going... Um, Massive, massive of preamble about, oh, we're sorry, uh, we realise it's really hard to pay council tax at the moment, blah, blah. I was like, where's this going? Um, <laughs> about four paragraphs of that, then it's, um, by the way, we're going to, we've <laughs> we've paused um, asking for money back because it's, uh, you know, tough at the minute, uh, but we're going to resume soon. I was like, okay, this doesn't sound good. Uh, you owe us £800. I was like, what? Um, so they've done their classic thing, which they did to me last time, They just where they just randomly stopped taking your direct debit. 
and then don't tell you, and then six months later tell the, tell you that you owe them loads of money, rather than saying a month in, oh, by the way, we didn't get your payment this month. Um, absolute knobheads. Second time they've done it to me. So, yeah, that wasn't a great letter. So I'll be paying that one off. That sounds very weird. Why did they, stop, why did they stop taking your payments? Like, well, the first time it happened to me, they messed up my account number uh, when I got a, uh, moved to a new house. Um, but again, they didn't send a letter within like, you know, you'd, you'd send one after you miss your first payment, surely. Um, but they didn't. And they just sent it six months down the line. And I never bloody look at my bank account in great detail. So didn't realize uh, that. Well, I certainly don't look for stuff that hasn't come out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, got the letter this time. I think it's because we changed it so that because I'd moved in with else, she needed to increase it to the two whatever it is you don't get the yeah. one person bonus single person <laughs> then, discount my uh, yeah, my old job don't get that anymore all, all flashing back to me right now <laughs> <laughs> don't get the single person discount now because she's not a single person and that meant that the obviously the price increased but then i'm assuming that maybe the direct debit was only valid for the other amount so it just stopped uh, but why they didn't ask us to do a new one i don't know sheffield city council are notoriously shit I mean, they'd rather just re- remove loads of trees that no one really wants removed than oh, yeah. know, I mean, if a tr- do anything if, useful. If a tree owed them 800 quid, they'd be getting good. Oh, they'd be straight smart. <laughs> that tree would be gone. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they wouldn't be getting billed. We're turning you into a table, mate, and we're selling that for 800 pounds. <laughs> they'd be paying a very different price. <laughs> uh, but other than that, I've been doing a February album writing month, which is why I don't have anything to bring to the table today. Was that pretty much... Haven't even edited the last podcast, which I'm going to do uh, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, because I've just put up my last song. Uh, it's just very difficult because you you got you you got to do your songs. It's hard to think if you've got a bit of an obsessive personality like I have of anything else when you're doing it, mm. and you're like, oh, I've got an hour spare. You're like, right, best best write a song, best write a lyric, <laughs> best do something. Um, but yeah, so how I'll- many songs does that total then? Uh, 14 is the what the challenge is so it's supposed to be one every two days in feb which right. is what i i got to 14 and i'm stopping lovely some people go mad and put like 50 up well, yeah. not, not for me uh so yeah 14 done that's a good haul but, though isn't it for a month yeah it's all right there's i don't know i don't we'll see i don't love last year i usually get like four or five that i really like mm-hmm. this year i'm not convinced but there's i think there's more bits of all of them that i like this time so i think it's just a yeah. case of well, got some groundwork well the two, I, two I heard were great so. yeah I, I completely agree I love them both looking forward to hearing others excellent um, yeah well we'll see they're, they're the two uh, political ones but the, the thing that's good is you end up doing stuff um, going off a tangent here that you don't like you just do a bit random stuff because it's like oh fuck I've got to get something up and, you, and I've got an hour Yeah. Um, and quite often that can then lead to and I find quite often the ones I do as a joke end up becoming my, my sound in a weird way uh-huh. because I think when you're doing something as a joke you don't put any pressure on yourself and you just go fuck it I'm going to do a stupid voice I'm going to do whatever and then sometimes you realise that you can do that voice actually quite well and then you adapt it Do, do you so, yeah. find that when you're writing that intensely uh, it tends to make you want to diversify more as well just to sort of create a bit more variety in what in the sound of what you're doing or was that not the case? No, that's definitely definitely true, Michael. Yeah, um, 
because you, you used a set of chords you're like i don't want to use this set of chords again for yeah. this next one mm-hmm. or i want to I, I usually want to change instrument or change but then it never it, then you get crushed with time again so it's like oh i couldn't vary it as much as i'd like because quite often i was like right i want to start with a drum machine beat mm. and i was like i don't fucking know how to use a drum machine and i've only got two hours <laughs> <laughs> then you get looking the for youtube vids on that yeah <laughs> then you get the guitar back out um so i think so it's like self-regulating yeah, ne- almost yeah yeah but for next time i think the more stuff you can do quickly the more varied it'll be and mm. um, so yeah, that's my tip for next time is to try and learn a few more th- tricks uh, so that I've got a few more things that I can just jump at rather than trying to learn it. I think, but basically, trying to learn anything new in that intense period is probably not going to work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we'll get on with the podcast. I'm excited uh, what you guys got to bring to the table. Um, let's start with. I feel like we're on Al. Okay. But- my intuition may be wrong. Okay, well, I'm happy to start. Um, so I've got two things to talk about today in particular. Um, I'm going to start with a TV show um, that I know has been a, a major talking point recently, and um, spoiler alert, deservedly so. Um, Channel 4 TV show It's a Sin, uh, which was shown probably about a month, five weeks ago on Channel 4, um, created by Russell T. Davies, who's probably best known for... Um, readapting Doctor Who and a TV show called Years and Years um, stars a cast of unknowns generally. Uh, funnily enough, the lead actor Ollie Alexander is from the band. I think they're an electronic brand, Years and Years. Is that someone you know, Michael? Uh, I've heard of them. I don't really know them, to be honest. Mm. Okay. Uh, Omari Douglas, Callum Scott Howells, Lydia West, Nathaniel Curtis, and it's uh, backed up by a few more experienced actors, uh, Keely Hall, Stephen Fry, and Neil Patrick Harris. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, this is a drama set in the 1980s uh, around a group of uh, gay men and one wo- one woman um, and the start of the AIDS pandemic. Um, it, it's quite a juxtaposition, really, um, between the kind of the two tones, because often the show itself is extremely joyous. And I think we mentioned... Um, we mentioned with Lovers Rock um, on the last podcast, or the one before, about how it's good to see black joy on screen. And in this one, it's good to see uh, gay joy on screen. Um, you're seeing a group of characters who are fully fleshed out, not side characters, living their lives, making mistakes, you know, having fun and uh, adapting as people. Uh, but then the other half of the tone is obviously the AIDS pandemic, um, the initial denial of its existence. Um, the subsequent stigmatism of the people who ca- caught the disease and um, the way in which um, both the wider world, in particular the press, uh, were vicious uh, towards the community and, in fact, the way that the, the gay community was totally in denial about its consequences. Um, this is a five-parter, so it's not a huge series. It is a mini-series. It's not coming back. Um it's one that I don't have a huge amount to say on it, really, uh, despite the fact it's been it's been profoundly a profoundly moving experience. Um, but it's heartily recommended. I mean, there are echoes of kind of COVID denial uh, in the show, which doubtlessly were not written into it. Um, just in the fact that how many people, including the gay community, didn't believe it existed or didn't believe it was um, as bad as people said. 
Um, before I go into a bit more detail, has anybody else seen this? No. I have, yeah. Um, sorry, Michael, go on. I was just going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I saw this the other week. Um, yeah, I'll let you say your piece first, but I'll, re- I'll preamble that with just saying I really enjoyed it and I agree, certainly agree with everything you've said so far. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I, I really wouldn't want to kind of miss missell this, if you will, as just a dour age drama um, because although obviously... The setting and the time is no accident. Um, that isn't just what this is about. Um, this is about a group of people, you know, coming into their own. Uh, in particular, the main character, well, kind of the main character, Richie, coming from the Isle of Wight, where, which is a more insular community, and learning to be himself completely, uh, living in London. Um, but undoubtedly, it will be remembered as kind of an AIDS pandemic show because it shows the horrors of the condition. Um, one particular character I won't particularly spoil um, is a particularly tragic figure who, I mean, nobody, don't get me wrong, nobody deserved to get AIDS, obviously, but he's not a character who uh, was putting himself out there having sex, unprotected sex with lots of people, um, and he's a particularly tragic figure in this. And there is there is a there's a piece of acting by Keely Hawes who is kind of a British TV mainstay and a bit underrated, I would say. Um, in the very last episode, which is a, a, outstanding, um, a kind of a mother in denial about how she's treated her son and how she's dealt with the fact he's gay. Um, what what were your thoughts, Clive? Yeah, um, don't have loads to add what you said. I thought it was really good. Um, I liked the it. It was just very refreshing, like you say, um, the gay joy bit. It's very um, more graphic on having gay sex scenes and stuff, which I found refreshing because I think that's sometimes shied away from, whereas straight sex scenes aren't. Um, just stuff like that was refreshing. Um, like you say, it it does expose. Initially, you think it's going to be kind of a pandemic show, but there's definitely way more to it than that. Even though that is um, something going all the way through it, I thought all the um, it was just really. Well acted. I liked all the characters. Like you say, they were well fleshed out. Um, don't really have anything. The only negative thing I'd maybe say, and I don't want to spoil the ending, so I won't go into it exactly, is I think it spells it out a bit too much at one point, um, mm-hmm. rather than maybe making the viewer realise what has happened, um, which to me was fairly obvious. But <laughs> And I just felt that a particular conversation wasn't that realistic and was done to spell something out. But... Um, to what, apart from that, I don't really have any complaints about it, and I thought mm-hmm. it was really, like I say, really good, really refreshing. I think it's great to have a, a show about this topic done in a way that doesn't... Um, did, it just didn't shy away from anything, whereas I think uh, if this had come out three or four years ago, I don't think it would have been this um, candid. I don't know if that's the yeah. word, but <laughs> just just honest about it, rather than I think they would have shied away from certain things. It's like, oh, well, we can't show that, or we can't say that, or we can't... Um, Whereas I didn't really do any of that, so it's, I think it was really well done. Obviously, I don't know about how realistic certain bits of it are because I wasn't um, around that scene at that time. But certainly, from what I've heard, it sounds like it's a pretty good uh, portrayal of the situation. It's interesting, and um, if I'm right in uh, the scene you were talking about, I get what you mean. It's definitely not in keeping with the general tone, but I didn't mind it at the same time, and I didn't mind that it, it, it seemed to be the, the writers of the show or the writer um, kind of putting their view forward. 
often that one, that kind of technique takes me out of something. And often it feels a bit um, like a diatribe rather than a piece of drama. But I didn't mind it on this occasion. Um, I understand the criticism. And often I would be in the same boat with you there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it was necessarily great writing. But personally, I found it, it packed an emotional punch. I'm assuming we're talking about the same scene. Is it a scene <laughs> on a kind of a, a beach side almost? Yeah, I yeah. think it probably is the same one. I think the... I- it packed an emotional punch to start with and then went on a bit too long and in too much detail <laughs> would be my interpretation. Okay. I think the actual conversation was good. Um, and, you know, I don't think that was um, the way uh, she... she <laughs> I don't want to say anything to uh, The way they react to it. And like you say, um, what would you say the actress's name is? Or the mother? Uh, Keely Hawes. Yeah, I thought she was particularly good in that um, episode. Um, throughout, really, but particularly in that episode because I think she's shown a bit more. But... Yeah, I just think it maybe went into a bit too much, but it's it's all personal preference, isn't it? And it wasn't something that made me go, oh, God, that's bad. Um, it just didn't quite sit in with the rest of the show for me, I didn't think. No, I, I, I agree. It's, it, a, it's a very minor criticism. It's just the yeah. only thing I can I'm, think I'm, of. I'm not, I'm, not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong, by the way. It's, a, like you said, yeah. a matter of preference. Um, mm. And normally I probably would be in your boat. I hate any... I, I hate exposition for the most part. And this isn't exposition, but, you know, something that is taking time out to explain something to you, which you could be told uh, through, you know, filmmaking techniques. Uh, Mm -hmm. Often I'll be a big critic of that. Um, And while this didn't necessarily fit, I I kind of forgive it because I got an opportunity to see an an outstanding piece of acting. Um, And maybe I'll feel differently if I watch it again. But yeah, um, I mean... I, th- I thought it was, I'll be honest, and, and when I first heard of this show, I didn't really want to watch it. Now, it's not because I'm some closet homophobe. It's because... Um, oh, well, that, that is what a closet homophobe would say. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. No, but to be, to be honest with you, I was put off it because I knew it was an AIDS show, and I thought to myself, this is just going to be entirely bleak, and if it's done right, it's going to, you know be incredibly emotionally draining do i want to put myself through that but i'm glad i'm glad i actually gave it a go because it, it isn't just that like 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 me and clive have both said it's an example of gay joy on the screen um which i'm sure exists out there more widely uh, but i haven't seen too often or at least gay british joy anyway um i, I thought it was an outstanding piece of television I was just going to, even though I haven't seen it, I was just going to say, from what I've seen uh, on Twitter in particular, it seemed to have struck a chord very widely. Um, I haven't seen many TV shows that seem to have been as loved as this. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's not without fault, but, um, you know, it really is a quality piece of TV. You can tell it was made from the heart. I mean, Russell T. Davies is, you know, he's an acclaimed writer, but I've never particularly clicked with any of his other... It was other work. I'm not a Doctor Who fan. Um, I haven't seen years and years, although it is supposed to be quite good. Um, but th- this this one this one felt like he'd upped his game. Maybe I know th- there isn't particularly anything massively autobiographical about this, but I'm sure elements of it are. And elements. I mean, he is a gay man, and elements of um, you know his friends' lives as well. Um, well, maybe you know it, it's just it's brought his his masterwork out, I suppose. 
Cool. Excellent. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Al, because I kind of forgot and I'd watched it because when I was trying to think of stuff to talk about, I was like, I don't think I've watched anything. Or played, I've played a lot of Mario Kart, but I've talked about that before. Um, but from It's a Sin, we will move over to Michael. What have you got for us? Okay, well, I'm probably going to be talking for a little while here. Um, but um, So, as promised, we're going to talk, because we haven't done so for quite a while, about one of the podcast's collective favourites, Sleaford Mods. We um, the new album is really good. Spare ribs. Um, it seems to have been really acclaimed as well, which uh, surprises me and doesn't because I'm really happy about that. Um, but I think the band have been putting out records of this quality repeatedly for a number of years now. Uh, but for whatever reason, this one seems to have attracted uh, the most praise since probably Divide and Exit, which for me is their masterpiece. Um, it's it's. I mean. Each album is in, in, is introduced an increasing dose of uh, musical musicality. They've become more song sort of song based rather than the um, you know some of the earlier tracks. I guess felt like they'd been a bit more loosely constructed. Uh, they felt a bit more ranty, I guess, which was what drew us to the to the band, obviously. Um, and it it is a bit of a different flavor now. Uh, I hesitate to say that they've mellowed. Uh, because it is still pretty acerbic stuff, but um, I think that there's it, it's there's almost a little bit more focus. I think, uh, even though you know, as I say, I adore all of the band's output since uh, Andrew Fern became the uh, producer, which was that's that's the era of the band that I'm more familiar with. Uh, and I think his beats get just get better all the time. They're very consistent in quality. Uh, I love the drum patterns on the track I Don't Rate You on this uh, album in particular. Um, so there's there's a mixture, there's still a mixture of uh, raw and gritty sounding tracks um, that have quite that dark, sort of knuckle-dragging punk sound that really established the, the band, I think. And then also some, some brighter, bouncier, um, you know, you'd hesitate to say poppy, but sort of leaning more in that direction, those sort of tunes. Um... And I think the band's had, I think the track Mark and Mindy featuring Billy Nomets has had quite a lot of success um, commercially as well. Uh, and I mean, the album came in at number four and it continues to amuse me that um, this particular band can chart so highly, but I think it's because they, you know, they do naturally draw more and more fans into their audience um, because it's so uh, fas- fascinating to observe their sound. Uh, and I believe Mogwai just had their first number one album after 25 years. I can definitely see Sleeved Mods eventually doing it. Uh, just depends when in the year you release the album, who you're up against, obviously. Uh, but that'll be quite an amusing moment, I think, whenever that does occur. Um, but yeah, it's it's just it's just another great album. And I really feel like this band, for people who don't know them now and might come to them in the future, have, have really established themselves as um, you know an act with an excellent discography. Uh, that people will be able to wade through for uh, for years into the future, and uh, that's very exciting for me as uh, quite a long term fan now. Um, but of course, I've what I've done is I've compiled, as promised, uh, twenty favourite lyrics from Sleaford Mods. Um, the reason I mention um, the fact that the band of um, you know the songwriting has become a little bit different is because what I think is really interesting is Jason Williamson's lyrics have become almost more poetic. I think in a sense they're certainly not abstract, that's for sure. Um, but they, uh, I struggled to find lyrics stand out lyrics in particular 
from um, from the previous album, Eaten Alive. And I didn't really include uh, anything from the new album in, in compiling this list anyway. Um, but I think uh, they've become the, the lyrics are just as um, they're just as incisive and um, exploratory of um, of society. They've sort of moved through the gears, so they went through austerity Britain, and then Brexit Britain, and now on to COVID Britain, of course. Um, but they, they still tackle all of these big, uh, you know, these big issues. Uh, but they, and, and also issues at uh, more of a micro level as well, uh, individuals, um, different ways of looking through different lenses at, um, at social issues. Uh, but it's it's done slightly differently. Um, and again, I hesitate to say that there's less humour now, but um, I think it's a bit of a different listening experience, and that's partly maybe why you see um, an increasing amount of critical acclaim as critics sort of warm to certain records from almost different eras. I think if you listen to them as much as I have, it's quite subtle it can be it's quite subtle the difference. Um but they're, they're not quite the same act that they were uh when they first started to um emerge, as I say, that earlier era, Divide and Exit. So some of those earlier albums are really the ones that dominate on my list here. Um Right, I'm not. I'm not just. I'm going to go through these lyrics. I haven't put them in any order, so I've just got twenty examples for you to enjoy, as I'm sure you will. Um, I'm not just going to read. I'm, I mean, there will be perhaps a bit of a performative element to some of this. There's no point just reading out Sleaford Mods lyrics. Uh, deadpan is there? So um, no, <laughs> no. So are, I'll. Are you uh, gonna? Are you gonna attempt the accent? Not, not uh, consciously. <laughs> but I'm sure some of the pronunciation, you know, because I'm used to listening to these lyrics, is uh, is going to come out. Okay, so at one I've uh, I've gone with the um, well I've 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 not left any I've not um, I can't leave these in as a surprise because we already discussed them on the last podcast so I've kept them in at the front <laughs> so right at the at the front here from tied up in knots uh, I think our favourite is it not Weetabix England fucking shredded wheat Kellogg's cunts <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's up there. <laughs> I love that. And like, I was telling that to my brother, and he was like, "What does that even mean?" And I know people might. To me, all of these lyrics have meaning of some sort, and I know people might think, "Well, that's just meaningless." But you know, I think it sort of ties the banality of Englishness to to a bland commercialism. I think that's the point of it. To, to me, to me, it's almost like um, that particular lyric is almost like a stream of consciousness where you can't really almost form sentences. You're so kind of, <clears throat> yeah. you know edged up or some maybe even angry like fucking Weetabix Kellogg's cunts <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know the meaning is the meaning is in the delivery and the individual mm-hmm. words maybe not the structure of the sentence yeah for sure and I think there's countless examples of those lyrics uh, with Jason Williamson really um I should say I've got these are these are a good mix of lyrics that are funny and um and just profound and I think people will probably agree that actually in their own way all of them are both uh, but I'll proceed anyway. Uh, this one from the chorus of uh, Carlton Touts. I'm a big fan of this one. Uh, the angel of the Midlands has flown away, probably south. You can't blame her when the future is a flag pissed on in a king-sized bag of quavers. <laughs> um, I've also got a bonus uh, lyric from this song as well because I thought it was um, well, worth, well, well worth including. The Labour Party is a three-quid tube of vending machine smarties. Um... <laughs> So again, this is uh, this is a classic that everyone knows. Obviously, well, I've got a couple again because you can't have just one from this song from Job Seeker. 
So, Mr. Williamson, what have you done in order to find gainful employment since your last signing on date? Fuck all. I sat around the house wanking. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of the classics. I mean, I haven't met anyone who doesn't listen to that and burst out laughing, especially the first time. Exactly, yeah. It's just, it's that shock, isn't it? Because it's not expected. But, um, and then I, the other one I included was uh, was this one. Uh, I just end up fucking robbing the place. You've got a t- till full of 20s looking at you all day. Well, I'm only going to fucking bank it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, next is uh, from the track Smithy, which I think isn't one of the best well-known songs. Uh, from Divide and Exit, but this is uh, this is I think this is my ultimate favourite swearing moment. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do it as it's done, but I'm not gonna be able to do it perfect justice. You just gotta go and hear it. Opinionated trainees, you've had your 15 minutes on Facebook where the Garden of Splendor fell all over you. You loved it. Print the A4 page, bra. Print the A4, bra. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> So that's, I mean, that even more to the point is where he's just in a tangle and then you just get that. Love it. Uh, your, this from Your Brave. I ain't listening to you, mate. I ain't listening to fuck all. I just wanked in your toilet. Polish that, you connoisseur. Nicked your biscuits. <laughs> laugh with your mates. Wanked in the toilet, you fucking tit rifle. <laughs> I love when I hear these lyrics uh, the fact that you know they must be aimed at someone in particular I feel like they're always being written with someone uh, specific in mind and that really amuses me um, some of them have specific details where you think well this must be aimed at someone uh, this is a good example actually from the new album just for contrast it's not sweary and it's it's not quite as angry but it is still damning and it's a perfect example where I feel like um it must be written about someone specific, but on, on the new album, one of the lyrics is uh, going on about Aphex Twin, Spanish anarchists, you don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, okay. From uh, from McFlurry. I just love the absurdity, absurdity of this. It's brilliant. Boris Johnson and the Cheeky Girls shut down the underground, so it's back to orgies on the buses. Drop us a fiver, mate. No worries. £1.29 on shag all McFlurries. <laughs> <laughs> mm. this is an old classic that I've definitely mentioned on the podcast before from Livable Shit this one is all about the pronunciation uh, the Prime Minister's face hanging in the clouds like Gary Oldman's Dracula as Canoe Reeves drove up to the fucking castle <laughs> <laughs> forgot about Canoe Reeves <laughs> yeah that is amazing mm. Um, from In Quiet Streets. Got to give Clive all the credit for this one because I don't think I would have included it if he hadn't mentioned it. Um, and it just makes me think how many little one-line pearlers are included in the lyrics that I've missed out doing this. But it's, uh, Eucalyptus, you can fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Which is still my all-time favourite. Possibly all-time my all-time favourite. Well, it's definitely my all-time favourite how many words of that is line. <laughs> yeah, um, just the five. Because it's just yeah. brilliant. And th- that's I mean, outstanding, it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's just absolute poetry, isn't it? Like, I, I think he just heard the word eucalyptus, <laughs> and it sounds kind of sweary, doesn't it? You know, you can yeah. do something, and he's, he's built it around that. Absolutely. Okay, this one from one of their most underrated songs, in my opinion. I love this song, Stick in a Five and Go. Uh, it's worth... Explaining the premise of the song, it's basically basically about Jason Williamson being abused by uh, someone from Leeds on Twitter. 
uh, getting their address from his mate at the DVLA and then going to their house dressed as a postman to uh, beat them up. Wow. <laughs> it features this exchange at the end, which is brilliant. Uh, Hello, is that Mr. Twitter? Uh, uh, I mean, Mr. Trees. It's the postman. I've got a big package for you. You need to sign for it, Mr. Trees. It's massive. Can you come outside? You need to sign for it, mate. Sign for it, mate. I love that. It just repeats. Uh, sign for it, mate. The, the last one just goes, sign for it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a dark song, actually, but it's uh, really brilliant. And I think people don't mention it that much, but I love it. Okay, this is the biggest one on the uh, on the list from Fizzy, which I think is definitely their uh, angriest song. Uh, and I've included the whole first verse here because it's just worth it. Um, and I think anyone who's ever worked in a shit office job uh, with a crap manager can really relate to this, undoubtedly, even if, again, some of this includes specific details that must be aimed at someone in particular. But I'm going to do the whole thing, so deep breath. The cunt with a gut and the buzz light your haircut calling all the workers plebs. You better think about the future. You better think about your neck. You better think about the shit haircut you got, mate. I work my dreams off for two bits of ravioli and a warm bottle of Smirnoff under a manager that doesn't have a fucking clue. Do you want me to tell you what I think about you, cunt? I don't think that's a very good idea, do you? Your pockmarked, four-eyed, shit-fitted shirt, white converse and a taste for young girls. Don't send me home with a glint in my eye. I told my family about the fucking wage rise and got fucked on, devoured, puked on and sucked up, you fucking fly. The suction on your fly feet kept me pinned to the blinds while your PA rattled out emails, workstation, forced to engage in flirtatious conversation. Fizzy. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, that's too long, but you have to hear all of that, don't you? You have to, that is part of an entire... That's the thing, you you can't isolate any part of that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I don't know how he performs these live. I don't know who remembers all that, but uh, yeah, but he does. That. Yeah, pretty faultlessly. Um, and I was reading a recent interview with him where he said he doesn't really listen back to the songs either um, after uh, after they've been laid down. So I, I really don't know how he does it, but yeah, impressive. Uh, okay, so uh, this one is just. Um, just an iconic state of the nation lyric, I think, from, from Tweet, Tweet, Tweet. St. George's flag on white van, this is the human race. This is the human race, you kip and your disgrace. Chopped heads on London streets, all you zombies, Tweet, Tweet, Tweet. No further comment required. Um, I love the, I've always loved this one from The Blob. Uh, it sound, the start of this sounds prophetic now in the age of COVID, but I think it was written in relation to uh, the Ebola outbreak at the time. But yeah, the lyric. People in masks, airport, Motorola, tripping over the Toblerons. Near Victoria's not very good secret, their knickers, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, uh, this one from Six Horsemen, the Brixtons. Um, this one is very targeted. Um, I'm just amused by how savage it is. Uh Johnny Burrell fucks off to an island for four months at the height of his fame. Was the country bothered? Was it fuck? He made a massively bad calculation, the thick cunt. This one is, uh, again, captures British society in its entirety in one line from Tiz Was. Always been one of my faves. Cameron's hairdresser got an MBE. I said to my wife, you better shoot me. 
Um, this is from Rupert Trousers. Idiots visit submerged villages in 200-pound wellies, spitting out fine cheese made by that tool from Blur. Even the drummer's a fucking MP. Fuck off, you cunt, sir. Uh, again this one falls onto the profound side of the bracket from BHS um, which was basically the Brexit national anthem I think we're going down like BHS while the able-bodied vultures monitor and pick at us we're going down and it's no stress I lay in hope for the knuckle dragging exodus Uh, this from so there's four left. This from Pubic Hair Limited, uh, which I've always adored as a song. Um, again, I think this this lyric is targeted at a, at a very particular sort of music fan. And I love the fact that uh, he's tied it to uh, obnoxious driving as well. Um, why are you fucking hiding behind that stupid car? Doing thirty in a forty, playing solo Johnny Marr. Who gives a fuck about yesterday's heroes who seem to think that they're still today's heroes? It's not a pyramid. You're not a fucking pharaoh. <laughs> and I've, I've always inter- interpreted the title to be a shot at uh, Johnny Rotten, uh, which I assume it is. Uh, seems to fit lyrically. Um, Fat Tax, uh, an underrated track, uh, which was included on the All That Glue compilation last year. Um not even a full lyric, but I've just included this insult because it's brilliant. The Fresh Prince of Bell Ends. Fourteen <laughs> <laughs> um, Day Court, uh, another not very well known track. This one from the Chubbed Up compilation, uh, but this is an absolutely superb lyric. I definitely mentioned it on the podcast years ago. Uh, Sonic Youth Fan, M- MBV. If you like feedback that much, get a job at the council. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mentioned that before. That's a great lyric. That's a great line. That is superb, and possibly now my second favourite. <laughs> and uh, this one that I thought was an appropriate one to close with. Nothing funny about this. It's just absolutely true. Perfect. Uh, from the Demon, another um, B side, basically from the Tiz Was EP. Uh, four coppers hassle one homeless man under a poster of Keira Knightley. Clear skies, clear lies, and obvious acts of robbery. I used to dabble as a petty thief, but the elite do the fucking job properly. <laughs> and that yeah, is that... it. It's a good list, yeah, to be fair. I mean, off the top of my head, I don't think you've missed anything I would have had to included, but, you know, you've you've definitely covered the classics. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it encapsulates uh, a lot of the greatest moments. There'll definitely be others, though. I mean, it was hard to. The, I, like, I was thinking, like, well, I'm really surprised that I don't have um, a lyric from Jolly Fucker in, which is one of their absolute classic songs. But it's just a matter of finding the one lyric that you think fits fits in, and sometimes that's uh, that's not so easy to do. So, if mm. I mean, if if it comes to um, you know applying literary criticism to these lyrics, I think you could have an absolute field there. And uh, I hope that one day that's exactly what someone does. You could have that. I could imagine this is a module in some university <laughs> course. Exactly, yeah. And then I, then, I could, then I could imagine a Daily Mail article um, ranting <laughs> about it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, you can now do a degree in Sleaford Mods and all that bollocks. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, that's a look into their past, but the new album is... Uh, 
is um, very much worth checking out as a look into their their present. And in that interview, that old interview I read with Jason Williamson that I mentioned, he said, um, you know, his biggest fear is the uh, the band putting out a clunker of a record. And um, I think uh, he seemed conscious of the fact that when that does eventually happen to bands, they're not obviously they're they're never aware that it's happened, and that's why it's a mm-hmm. fear, I think, isn't it? Uh, but there's, I don't think there's any sign of that happening anytime soon uh, with these guys. They don't reinvent the wheel, but like I said, they ha- like I said, they have evolved. And if they continue to do that, they can keep putting out records of uh, a similar vibe and definitely quality for uh, for years still. I think. Yeah, particularly as I mean, um, yeah, like you say, it's, I think they have changed quite a lot since the start. Like you say, um, I think it's almost been think refined, he, hasn't it? I think. I think yeah, that's probably the right like, word. <clears throat> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, but I mean, they're the kind of. I think there's a bit of a growing scene around their kind of their kind of spiel, um, but they're still pretty much the only people doing it. <laughs> yeah. And when 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 that's the case, I think there's no need to be you know mix stuff up radically. Um, it's one thing if you're an indie band doing what loads of other people have done. Yeah. <clears throat> um, they've pretty much come up with their own sound here, which has obviously been you know we've got other people coming up with it like I. Um, Use Instagram tag there, Billy No Mates, um, and such, doing something similar. Who were inspired by the mods, in fact. So I suspect mm. <laughs> there'll be there'll be many more uh, because there's definitely something inspirational about. Oh, I can just yeah. And this is no disrespect to uh, Andrew Fern, whose backing tracks are superb. Um, but I can make a track myself and sing over the top of it, and that's a viable mm. performance, um, which I don't think had been done massively more i'd not see i'd maybe i'd seen the odd sort of like live rapper putting on a um mm-hmm. like getting his laptop out and just putting a track on the rapping over the top of it and um, hadn't seen it in the slightly more i guess rocky context <laughs> yeah. uh, you might call it uh, but yeah i definitely think it's going to be um like what massively inspirational on music coming up and I think that's yeah. a good thing. Yeah, and, I think because yeah. that 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 element of their live performance, it it really it strips away the illusion, doesn't it? Um, especially when it comes to electronic music, uh, it's not it's not making out that you know DJs do are always doing something particularly incredible or unreachable on stage. Uh, so mm-hmm. it has that sort of democratizing element to it. Yeah, definitely, and it because it's only really him and Andrew it. He has to be a great performer, um, oh, yeah. I think. Which there are is. many musical acts that don't have very good performers in the band as such, mm-hmm. and that's not a knock on them. But you, you're going there to kind of hear the music performed live, and they might be great at whatever <laughs> they're doing. Yeah. But the performance might not be great, and I've always admired um, really good performers. And For example, Tallest Man on Earth is another one um, who does a lot of gigs just on his own and is totally not your, your average uh, acoustic guitar-toting one-man show uh, which in my opinion is can generally be a bit boring um you know he's very charismatic charges around the stage <laughs> not miles away from uh, williamson but in a different way um and yeah I've, I've always admired that and i think again williamson strips it back to absolutely nothing because he's not playing anything um there's no real other <laughs> bandmates for him to bounce off because he doesn't really bounce off andrew because that's the whole point <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. It's just, yeah. I think it's what's it, what's interesting is he um, he has this background where he played guitar in touring bands and stuff. Um, I think he toured with Spiritualized, just to name one example. And I just like the idea that there must have—I mean, there must have been this on-stage character just waiting for all those years to break <laughs> out of him. And when it when it has finally happened, I mean, it's really happened, doesn't it? 
Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, that's uh, very interesting. Cool. Well, a great, a great list of uh, lyrics there, Michael. Thanks for that. Been looking forward to that for uh, <laughs> since you mentioned it. That's all right. So good to have it. Um, let's go back to Al. What else have you got for us? I think you said you had a couple of things. I do, I do, I do. I'm going to, um, yep, we haven't talked about um, anything like this in a while. I'm going to talk about a book. Um, it's it's not a brand new book. Um, it came out a few years ago now. I haven't got the, the date to hand, but it doesn't really matter. Um I read it recently. I only got it for Christmas. Um, and I thought, to be honest with you, it was particularly relevant, um, perhaps more so now than when it was written. Um, and the book is called The Wall by John Lanchester, who's better known as a, a journalist, uh, but has written several novels. Um, loosely speaking, uh, it's set in a near future after an environmental disaster known as The Change has devastated the entire planet. We're not given a huge amount of detail on this, and frankly, I'm relieved. I hate it when um, TV shows, films, or books over-explain elements. Really, you should be only the mystery element should be kept as much as possible, which is why I hate I hate the vast majority of prequels. Um, basically, um, there, there has, it, it seems to imply that there has been a water shortage and simultaneously a rising of the the ocean. Uh, so, for example, in Britain, uh, Britain no longer has any beaches. It has a stark uh, coast. Um, Britain has reacted to this by creating a military wall along the entire coast, uh, from coast to coast, which is manned by young people who give two years service uh, to keep out other people, otherwise known as refugees, from getting into Britain. Um, our main character, our protagonist, is Kavanagh, who is quite an aspirational young man who doesn't really have any political thoughts as such. He is more happy to use his time on the on the wall, kind of a bleak experience, to prepare himself to try and break into the elites of society. Um, this is originally written, I believe, as both an environmental fable and a commentary on kind of Britain's increasingly insular worldview uh, post-Brexit. Um and more than anything else, it's it's an absolute page turner, um, a great thriller, and it it appears to be ripe for adaptation. You could easily imagine this as a a film or a TV show. Um, in fact, I've already started casting it in my head, uh, but we'll get back to that. Um, I absolutely loved it. I mean, I loved the concept from the start. It was sold to me as an Orwellian tale for our time, and provided that that commentary is coming from the right person, that just makes me rise significantly in my trousers um <laughs> you know this is an it's an extremely well written book the the characters are fleshed out when necessary the the plotting and the general setup it leaves enough mystery enough imagination uh to create a series of dread and um the set pieces and general plotting are excellent um i I could have easily read this in one go, um, but I kind of restrained myself and I read it maybe in about four or five. Um, it's an excellent book. Um, now, I understand it's had a bit of a mixed reception critically, although it was listed for the Booker Prize. Um, I'd be interested to read his other, John Lan- Lanchester's other books, but I was immensely impressed by this. And I think I'd be so surprised if anyone doesn't hear the, the overall premise and wouldn't be excited by it. Or am I? Is that just my particular taste? 
No, I think that's. I think you're onto something because, and I think writing about these subjects is onto something because I think, in my opinion, the UK um, obviously has a developed nation, um, but in particular with its relationship to immigration, uh, is going to be an area where all of the implications of climate change and global warming are played out. Even though it's not going to be one of the hardest hit countries, uh, or at least initially. Uh, I think once resources dwindle and people start having to leave countries that have been destroyed by climate change, uh, all the worst political impulses of the UK that you can see on display at the moment are going to come to the fore. So I think writing dystopian fiction about those sort of um, topics at the moment makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, in in the novel, obviously, it's it's maybe slightly implausible that Britain would have the um, engineering capability to build literally an entire wall around its coast. Um, but the the kind of setup, it, setup of it does seem plausible. And there, there's an added tension to the fact that if if somebody gets past your part of the wall, for every person who escapes into Britain, uh, people got the equivalent number of people guarding the wall are cast out to sea. Yeah. Um, so there is a kind of a personal responsibility. And the book... Um, well, more the narrative, obviously, conveys a sense of absolute dread and a sense of time passing by slowly. They only have two two years to serve on the wall, provided they don't have infractions that give them longer time. But they know that every hour of those two years could le- could lead to them being cast away from their country or potentially death. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it it it's a um, I mean the book is largely told it's told from a a third person perspective, but. Much in the same way that the um, Song of Ice and Fire books, or otherwise known as Game of Thrones books, do, it lets you into the head of Kavanagh early on. So it's not written from his perspective, first person, but it does let you in on his thoughts. Um, and it, it, it's a cl- it's a clever narrative technique, and it it's a it's a have you know it's, it's a you know have your cake and eat it technique, but it's one that really works, and it and it makes for a a, a real riveting page turner. I mean, if nothing else, this is incredibly entertaining. Um, I do have maybe some reservations about the ending, um, but I, I would love to see this adapted, and I think it's it would be so easy to do. Had you heard of this one, Clive, at all? No, but it sounds... Um, I'm adding it to the list, so mm-hmm. I will definitely be checking this one out. I wonder if there's an audio book. I'm sure there is. Um, I'm guessing so. I mean, I think, to be honest with you, when it comes to literature, it's not It's not like um, films and TV, where generally you will... If, you, if you're paying enough attention, you will hear about everything new that's great. I'm sure there mm. must be hundreds and thousands of novels that go under the radar. Um, had this one not been listed for the Booker Prize, I may not have heard of it. Um... But, I mean, to the extent that this novel doesn't have a Wikipedia page, by the way, um, I mean, my my sporting career at school has its own Wikipedia page, but this book doesn't. Uh, it's quite remarkable, though. Well, yeah, I mean, I've got... I think I've got the record for most participation medals ever. <laughs> what on earth? Yeah, like, nobody's <laughs> participated more than me. <laughs> Well, I've, I, know, I certainly know what I'd, what which um, which quote I'd put on the front of the book anyway. What's that? Uh, made Alex Wayne rise faster than the sea levels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will. Well, maybe for its twentieth um, year edition or something like that. 
I'll yeah. get that put on. By you the know, time you're a famous literary critic. Well, that's yeah, it. You've got, to give me, you've got to give me time so that means something. You know, right now, only a select group of extremely good-looking and intelligent people know I'm the best in the world. But... <laughs> Uh, but anyway, I don't have much more to say. I mean, I don't know how... Without going into plot details, I'm not sure or how much left there is to say on it, but um, I really wanted to recommend it, and we haven't done a book review here in a while, and uh, maybe maybe you can tell, because I'm... I, unlike if I'm doing a film review, I can't really go over um, kind of creative techniques as well as I can, um, but it, it's heartily recommended, and like I said, I've already begun casting in my head. And um, I'll be interested to see if it does get picked up because it just seems it it's, it strikes me as now would be the time. Uh, now would you know? Now would be the time. Strike while the uh, the iron's hot. And a few years time, this may not have quite as much of a a political hit. So, do you want to see this before you see an adaptation of Leicester's Premier League title win? Uh, <laughs> I mean, has the which moment- was the last the last thing I remember you casting. Has that <laughs> has the moment passed for that? It might have done. Yeah, and it'll come back at some point, won't it? I it mean, has to be. But Terry Crews is going to have to keep himself in shape to play Wes Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, will Kevin Hart still be popular enough to play N'Golo Kante? <laughs> <laughs> Who did we cast as uh, Jamie Vardy? I've forgotten. Uh, Taron Edgerton. Yeah, that would work. And. Um, <laughs> Who, who was Riyad Mahrez? Um, I don't know if we had a Riyad Mahrez. I don't know. Because he's an important character. Very, very. Yeah. yeah. I mean, who was Ranieri? I don't know. Was it Al Pacino? <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. It could be. Or um, <laughs> I'm trying to think who else could play it. Bernie Eccleston. I don't know why he's not an actor. But <laughs> in fact, is he dead? He might be dead. He might be dead. Know. I'm not sure. What a film that's going to be. I wasn't interested at first, but now I am. (laughs) So your casting's done a great job. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But I've just added this to my wish list. Um, Well, there is a... There is an audiobook, so I'll definitely be uh, listening to this because I'm listening to plenty of books and stuff at the minute. I'm going through a bit of a Cormac McCarthy session beginning with with Suttery, which I've um, started a few days ago. Great book. Um, Good session. I've... Yeah, I've obviously read quite a lot of them, but there's a, there's quite a few gaps. I'm looking forward to filling those, I, well, and I, probably rereading a few of the ones that I've read already. I, I've I've read all of his works. I mean, he is pretty much my favourite author. There are a few I wouldn't call them duds, but duds by comparison to his masterworks. But um, I'm a completionist. Um, I don't think he's going to write anything else. He did have something in in the works, but that was absolutely years ago. And he is quite an old man now. I'm wondering if it's possible for him to write anymore. Yeah, he had something called The Passenger or something. On, on his Wikipedia page, it says he announced it in 2015, and we've still not seen it. So, yeah, we'll see. Did you have um, anything you wanted to talk about today, Clive? No, not massive. I've read, um, read some stuff, but I haven't really got anything prepared. Um, I've read Andrew Mars, A History of the World, which is very good. Um, but it's quite quite a um, I don't know like a, it's a very and he says that at the start it's a um, based on you know big figures history there's a there's a t- technical term for that that I've forgotten rather than you know that the history is driven by pe- uh, big, uh, <laughs> big important people um, 
it very much follows that model. It's very well written. It was interesting. It's very long, obviously, is it with it being history of the world? Um, and obviously, it skirts over loads of stuff. And it's, um, I'd say, <clears throat> definitely Western oriented. Um, even though I know very little about history elsewhere, um, <laughs> it definitely focuses on Europe. Um, but yeah, I found it really interesting and an enjoyable read. It's weird because I thought I'd read it and be like, oh, I'll know lots about different bits of history, but find I don't. But I, just, I don't think I'm that type of reader. I don't tend to suck up information very well unless i'm engaging with it in a way that like actually using it do you know what i mean um whereas i know some people who can you know, sit at the table and just talk endless facts about stuff that's never been me i've always wanted to be that person but it isn't me um the other one i read is the birth of loud which is about um the it's by ian s port and that was the it's about the battle between fender and gibson kind of at the start of the invention of the electric guitar um which i really enjoyed it was very it was a again very much based on leo fender obviously the inventor of fender or the founder of fender and les paul who isn't the founder of gibson but is uh the has has his name on one of their well probably their most famous model of guitar which is actually his signature guitar um it's kind of more about those two than it is the guitars and stuff themselves and i'm a bit of a guitar nerd so i would have quite liked some more information on why certain guitars were designed the certain <laughs> the way they are and pickups and stuff and um, but it was still very interesting especially about that very start of rock and roll and uh, the electric guitars coming out and you know the reaction around them and that kind of stuff um i found really interesting because i didn't know um, a lot about it really because i suppose most of the music i've listened to is post electric guitar already existing um so that was really interesting and finally, um, other than the Harry Potters, which you've been reading, I've also just finished The Thing Around Your Neck by, and I'm probably going to butcher her name here, so apologies in advance, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, I'm going to go for, um, who also wrote uh, Americana, I might be pronouncing that wrong, um, which I know is a Facebook that I've been meaning to get around to, which is a set of short stories. This is The Thing Around Your Neck, not, America, not Americana or Americana, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Um, the thing around the thing around your neck is a set of twelve short stories, um, basically around. I guess the theme is Nigerians either living in America or having some sort of tie with someone who does live in America, and the. Um, I guess that's the themes, but it has various, completely different um, sides. That there's a lot of um, about the Nigerian civil war in there too. Stories, um, all fiction, and it's incredibly well written and comes highly recommended. I particularly loved the. Um, the last story in there I thought was particularly poignant and, and brilliant. So I'll definitely be checking out more of her books. I have read one other one, which is, I think it's called We Should All Be Feminists. It's a very short book, uh, also great. Um, so would recommend that. So I'll definitely be checking out more of her stuff. Uh, and that's about it on my on the reading front. Oh, and I've also read Kay Tempest's On Connection, which I also thought was superb, um, which is about our kind of connecting us basically and the if you're a creative person i think you will be able to relate to it quite a lot um it's very poetically written um as you'd expect okay uh, being a, a poet so i'm gonna check out their other book as well hopefully um at some point but yeah that comes highly recommended as well so yeah read, read, read some good stuff mm. you've been on you've been on form how have you had time to read clive uh, well, this is since the start of the year, actually. So, mm -hmm. but I kind of 
uh, most of the history of the world, I'd, re- I'd finished uh, <laughs> the previous year. I just finished it at the start of this year. Right. Um, well, I guess it's uh, audiobooks, pretty much. Like, revolutionised the amount of, quote, reading I do, because I I used to listen to podcasts a lot. I've basically replaced audiobooks with podcasts. So when I go for a run, I'm listening to an audiobook. When I do any cleaning, I'm listening to an audiobook. Pretty much whenever I'm doing something that I find mind-numbingly boring, I listen to an audiobook. Right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I do. I end up doing quite a lot, and I've actually more so now. Quite sometimes I just sit down, and um, quite a lot of my lunch breaks, I just sit down and rather than read a book, which is what I used to do, because I now do a job that's very read off. I, like I have a policy job, so basically my job is to bloody read and you know check that stuff's written well. Um, doesn't mean that you particularly at lunchtime want to get read something else. Um, so I tend to sit down and uh, have a have a coffee and listen to. An audiobook, um, it, you get through them slower because obviously it's slower than reading, but you also don't because you can do it all the time. <laughs> so um, I've definitely, it's, yeah, I completely got into it randomly because I listened to a take of, a, I've always wanted to, I'd read Tarantula by Dylan and it's such a mad book. I'd always wanted it to be read aloud just because, just similar to, I guess, a Dylan, Dylan lyric, you want to hear it as a song. I'd wanted to hear someone uh, perform it, so to speak, and then listen to that and then just ended up kind of getting into it and yeah big fan yeah so yeah that's why how i've managed to fit it in whereas other stuff i've struggled more with <laughs> um i just had a couple of other things before we finish off to mention i'm not going to give reviews or anything uh more recommendations um two films that are on streaming services but are new releases uh, both come heartily recommended um First of all, this is one I may have mentioned on the last pod, so forgive me if I did, but I would recommend White Tiger on Netflix, um, which is a film about a set in India, about a man from a poor family who becomes a driver for the kind of local overlord, if you will, and uh, slowly begins to realise just how shit the Indian system is in terms of, well, not just Indian system, uh, wider capitalism system is for him um if that sounds really dry as toast it's not it's incredibly funny well shot and it's uh, told from quite an interesting narrative perspective uh with a voiceover that works which doesn't often um i'd heartily recommend that another one uh which is on amazon prime um i care a lot uh which is a i don't know how you'd put it but a a dark comedy kind of satire again on in this case, probably late-stage capitalism, stars Rosamund Pike, who is in Gone Girl form here, as a viperous, venomous um, professional who runs a company who takes advantage of old people. Uh, She basically bribes doctors to write false advice, saying that uh, these old people can't live by themselves, and then she takes them over their care for them on behalf of the state, uh, milks them dry, this is until she tries this con on somebody who is very well connected. Let's leave it at that. Um, not a completely outstanding film because the tone is somewhat all, all over the place, but incredibly entertaining um, and unusual. All I've got to say, but I would recommend both. Great. Yeah, I've heard um, good stuff about White Tiger. I've not heard the other one, so I'll add that to the list. Michael, did you have anything else? Uh, no, I've, I've listened to some new albums, but I think I'll serve them and talk about them on future podcasts in more depth. That might make more sense, I think. Oh. Sounds good to me. I'm hoping to... I haven't um, 
started catching up on this year's releases yet. I tend to start around, I guess, March, April, start listening to stuff. I think that's when it usually yeah. starts to heat up around then, uh, mm. I've found in the last couple of years. But there's been a, there's been some new releases lately that I've, I've wanted and uh, that I've heard. So, yep. Cool. Look forward to getting some more into that. And uh, obviously, I've also uh, finished The Soprano, so we're going to do a bit of a Soprano special at some yes. point. We'll book that one in. Um, Definitely. Maybe next, even. We could do that one next, yeah. While it's fresh in your mind, Clive. Good idea. Yeah. Brilliant. I'm looking very much looking forward to talking about that. I very much enjoyed it. <laughs> but I won't say any more. Uh, cool. I guess it's uh, it must, it must be that time, Al. It is. Um, I don't know why you're telling it to me. It's, it's you um, who needs telling. Clive, <laughs> it's that time. <laughs> <laughs> it's plug time. You can find us on at StickAroundCast on Twitter. You can find us on slash StickAroundPodcast on Facebook for the same feed. We just put everything on there we do. So if there's an article on the website, if there's a new episode, everything will go on there. So it's the best place to follow us. Um, You can find us on StickAroundPodcast.com is our website. All our episodes are on there. They're also on most most streaming services, most podcast services and Spotify, which is a streaming service. Um... And you can contact us, there's a, a form on the website, or you can email us at stickaroundpodcast at gmail.com if you've got any questions. Um, on the website, obviously, there's articles written by all of us. We you know, tend to do end-of-year lists and stuff that are up there. There's also my Best Albums of Every Year Challenge, which I'll be continuing. 1978 is next up and is nearly done. Um, it had kind of, It's just got paused for February Album Writing Month. If you're interested in what I did at February Album Writing Month, um, the best link is form that's f-a-w-m dot org slash the idle owl i think will take you there i'm just going to test that live oh anything could happen anything oh no we've ended up on porn Uh, oh dear no we haven't it's it says there's an error man so that's definitely not it don't do that Uh, i Uh, I thought what had happened there was it was actually all a cover and you'd been participating in february porn writing month for a minute oh no well, well songs actually, take on a different meaning. <laughs> it doesn't take making much of an error, jokes aside, to end up on a porn website. I think it's form.com instead of .org. Oh, that's dodgy. I've certainly accidentally made that mistake. Um, and it was a massive accident. Of course. I mean... Okay, it's, I've, I've figured it. Form.org slash formers. Uh, form always spell F-A-W... WM to obviously February album writing month uh, slash the idle owl form.org slash formers slash the idle owl or the idle owls demos on um, SoundCloud. But there's, I don't write the descriptions of what each of the songs is on there. So if you're more interested on that, go on the form page. Um, and I think that about covers us. Go on iTunes, give us five stars or one star and tell your friends about us. Uh, tell them to tune in. That is always much appreciated. And I believe that covers it. Do tell me if I've missed something, Al. I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, I'm looking forward to your album, Clive. Let's go for it. Um, Well, yeah, I'm going to... I think I've made an executive decision that I'm going to take two years on this one. Um, And I'm quite the last two albums have had a heavy presence of songs that I wrote in February album writing month, uh, but not entirely and this will be similar but i think they're going to be quite a lot different because i'm probably going to take some of the ideas and run with it the theme i went for i went for a post-apocalyptic the road vibe um 
I don't always do a theme for February album writing month, but I just figured at the minute because I was struggling to find topics to write about with not really doing a lot. Uh, <laughs> it, um, it seemed like a good one to go for. So I think 12 of the songs fit that theme. So I might go try and make a an album on that sort of vibe. But I, I don't know, thinking like maybe different people's voices about it, different people's experience in this post-apocalyptic world. Don't know. It's just an idea at the minute, but we'll see. But yeah, I'm thinking of taking a bit more time on it and that so who knows what it'll be like mm. who knows i'm really yeah. interested in your creative process as always so it should be interesting yeah i'll keep i'll keep you updated yeah I, i'm I'll rip a sucker for that kind of stuff um i read about like cormac mccarthy's page and um even just it had like two sentences on his creative process and i was like yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> must know anything you can hoover up yeah yeah exactly um the thing i found most interesting is that he doesn't um doesn't use outlines he just writes kind of spontaneously as if he's the character i guess um so and obviously does ridiculous amounts of research for all the areas and stuff but he doesn't have an outline of where stuff is going um because he thinks that takes away the spontaneity of what could happen which to him is the exciting part of writing and i was like ah i've always wanted to write like that and thought no is that stupid is it just gonna be shit (laughs) Uh, so that's almost inspired me to give it more of a go I think it depends on the writing style, doesn't it? Like, mm. for example, um, I know it's different, but say the films of Christopher Nolan, for example, you couldn't write them just off the cuff. You know, they they require intricate plotting. Uh, yeah. Whereas the work of McCarthy, it's not so much a stream of consciousness because that's doing him a dis- disservice, but they are they are slices of life. I would say, yeah. Mentioning that has just um, it's just reminded me that I saw a tweet not long ago where it was like, uh, these are the Wikipedia subheadings that you always go to first when they're there. And it was like, uh, personal life controversies. Uh, <laughs> there were only like four or five of them, but they became increasingly ridiculous. And then the last one was uh, alleged involvement in coup. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's so true though that's the first one you go into if that's there (laughs) definitely (laughs) (laughs) and there are there are sometimes just weird (laughs) subheadings yeah for sure perfect like really specific like in that sense yeah Uh, where you're just like what I had no idea this person was involved in a coup (laughs) I'm passing on that (laughs) (laughs) definitely Um, great. Um, well, I guess we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Should be up and running more regularly now because uh, I've got less other things to worry about. Well, I'll say worry about. It's nothing really, is it? <laughs> I'm exaggerating. But um, thanks for coming along. And thanks, Michael, for your excellent Sleaford Mods contribution. Thank you. Thanks, Al, for your excellent uh, contributions. Thank you for hosting. You, you're welcome. I'll uh, bring something to the to the table next time. Probably a book. Maybe Sutri will be done by then. I'd like to talk mm, about that. Interesting. Cool. Um, cool. Right. Well, remember to stick around. Stick around. Stick around. Thank you all for listening Rest assured that you have found The best podcast in the universe It's Stick Around